This episode was brought to you by the Boardman Review, Tilt Think Improv, and the Boardman Review Podcast Collective, the best podcast in the whole wide world, located surprisingly in rural northern Michigan. Be there or miss out on awesomeness. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the habitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thavet, the tilt thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Woohoo! Yeah! Pete, this proverb is a really fun one. I like the images it brings. It's all hat and no cattle. All hat, no cattle is our episode's proverb. And what it means is um, somebody that's all talk and no action, a bit superficial. They're not quite authentic. Mm -hmm. That's what that's all about. What what did you learn about this proverb? Well, you know, the origins of this proverb um, seem to be obscure. I haven't been able to pin down the exact uh, origination of it, but most sources seem to think it came out of, not surprisingly, Texas, a place (laughs) well known for big hats and cattle. And big cattle and just big things generally, big talkers too. But as far as uh, a print appearance, it's for the uh, first appearance that I was able to find was in a publication called Agricultural Leaders Digest from March 1944. But that was in the context of a joke. Um, and uh, But it suggested it was probably in wide usage as, at least as early as the 1920s. So yeah, there's not like a pinpointable, uh, it seems to have already been in, in uh, circulation by the time it first seems to have appeared in print. So yeah, all had no cattle. Um, one thing about it though is it does seem to have. Um, there's a lot of offshoots from this, and everybody, you know, you, you we can all probably think of uh, ones that we've heard: all bark, no bite. One I, I've particularly enjoyed was all foam, no beer. All foam, no hear, beer. That's, you, that's in your business. Yeah. I um, I can't think of any offhand, but you're no. right. I mean, there's quite a few that. There's have an to English one that. Um, that I thought was kind of interesting, which is um, slightly different. It's it's all mouth and trousers. Not, I mean, it also appears as all mouth and no trousers, but all mouth and trousers is something that they say in in the UK. And it's defined similarly uh, as like superficial, engaging in empty or boastful talk um, and not having real substance. However, the trousers part does seem to have a sort of masculinity chauvinistic uh, connotation. And to me, it almost feels like it might've been like a precursor to the idea of like mansplaining. That guy's all talking trousers. He's Mm -hmm. kind of getting in there with this big male ego and telling everybody how it is. That's right. Because the only people who'd be wearing trousers at that point would be males. And so he's kind of showing his maleness by all of his talk and man. That guy's all talking trousers. That's right. Yeah. You know, I found similar that there is a bit of a, um, uh, there's a bit of a mystery around where this proverb came from. Um, I, they did say there's one, there's a cousin that might've been around in 1841 of this one from the Gettysburg Star and Republic banner. 
it's the quote is all talk and no cider is the case with some women. <gasps> and I'm just that's with a little, women. So, yeah, with women. All talk and no cider is the case with some women. I'm wondering hmm. if it has to do with um, she's all talk. She's a tease. I think it has to oh, do with she's not. She's not putting out. She's not putting out. She's all talk. That would be all no talking s- trousers, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. Oh, bit of a sexual connotation there as well. Yeah. Now, yeah. W- now with this, I did, you know, this idea of superficial, you know what I think of, because you and I are both aren't from Texas. So neither one nope. of us are really wearing cowboy That's hats. That's right. I'm anytime. not from Texas to quote law. I love it. Or to paraphrase, one I'm of my favorites. Texas. Oh, that's nice. Uh-huh. So you have an you have an affinity for some country western Something's song, Texas. Something's, something's Texas. Texan. I have had an enjoyable experiences in Texas. My brother, my brother went to UT. Go hook 'em horns. Oh, did he? You, yeah. You got family that's gone on all that's right. all map of the world. Mm. Well, um, how I could equate it more to say my my region of the of the U.S. would be like wearing the gear of a lifestyle that you might like associate with. So for example, if I were to wear yoga gear all day long, right. even though I haven't done any <laughs> yoga, I just kind of like to be associated with that. Oh. Even if I can't even touch my toes. So you'd be all had no cattle, but you'd be more like all Lululemon, no downward dog. Pete, right? we got a new one right now. Yeah, baby. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think we can relate to that, right? I, I lived in Boulder, Colorado for quite a while. And I mean, oh. you know, the, the the gear there i mean you don't ever dress up there it is it is a t-shirt and it's a t-shirt of some race you've been in and oh, right. and that's yeah. really iron man uh crested butte or something exactly right? yeah. exactly mm-hmm. so i think i think and it reminded me of like a bit of this tribalism like we're all trying to connect uh. to some type of group within society like who are quote unquote my people and right. I think that's, if we think back about this all hat, no cattle, that, of course, that idea is this is a person who's wearing the big hat, but probably has never, ever been on a horse, right. never round up cattle. Uh-huh. They, they're just like the association of that lifestyle and that, of that idea uh-huh. and that dream of a cowboy. It's funny. I, I used to live in Bozeman, Montana. And when I was out there, you could tell the real cowboys from the fake cowboys because like the, the fake cowboys would wear these ornate cowboy boots. And, um, and like, um, sort of a, I don't know, like, let me put it this way. The real cowboys would wear these boots that were, they didn't look like the classic cowboy boots that you think of. They had, they had laces and they had like a piece of frilly leather at the front and a big heel, but they were, and they were pretty ornate, but they weren't like the classic cowboy boots you see. And also they wore a certain shirt called a brush popper. It, okay. it had like snaps and had a certain, certain cut to it. And like those guys, they'd hang out at the rock and R bar and downtown Bozeman. And you could tell they were the real dudes in from, in from the ranch instead of these, Fancy Colorado cowboys up, um, you know, like that were a fashion cowboy. More of a fashion cowboy, yeah. Yeah, if you've got clean jeans and a clean shirt, you're probably a fashion cowboy. <laughs> fashion cow- is that a thing? Because if it's not, that's like a new thing. That's a new thing. Fashion cowboy. I think there's fashion like cowboys. You know, um, this this whole notion of um, uh, I'll talk no cattle got me thinking about the role of what is the connection between talk and action? Because it's inherently a value judgment, right? Yeah, if you're all talk no cattle, it means you don't, you don't live up to your billing. You don't, you talk big, you don't get anything done. But, um, you know, um, I actually, this is something I explored in, in my other podcast, the capitalist, it was episode 16 that Joe and I talked about the connection between talk and action. And I took the position, I was at the time talking about taking my family on a long trip and I hadn't figured out how I was going to do it and how I was going to put all the pieces together yet. Um, but I was like telling everybody that we're going to do it. I was just saying, and for me, it felt like, 
telling people I was going to do it was almost like a commitment on my part because then I would, it would be like embarrassing for me not to follow through on my words. But Joe said that there's some research around that subject that, that says that um, a lot of time when people have an ambition about doing a thing and then they talk about doing it, they say they're going to do it. There's almost like it relieves some of the internal pressure they feel to actually do it. And the result is that they're less likely to actually get it done. Um, oh. An opposing <clears throat> view on that. Right. So like this, now you've made a promise now, not just to yourself, but to the world, but in a sense, now that you've said it. Kind of got it off your chest. Got it off your chest. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, it was like, it happened. We did take the trip. We took a three, you know, nearly three month trip as a family. It was amazing. And part of it for me was like making that commitment, saying it to people. And, you know, I'm a people pleaser. So I, if I say it, then I am going to want to follow through with Mm -hmm. it because I am, I care what people think and I want uh, to follow through on it and that people uh-huh. see that I'm somebody's uh-huh. doing it. So you're more my camp than Joe's, I guess. I am. I'm on the Kirkwood camp. Sorry about that, Joe. Um, well, you know, there's another uh, dimension to it that I, uh, it occurred to me, which is that um, every time you say you're going to do something, you're all talking no cattle until you until the cows come home. Ha, mm-hmm. Did you see what I did there? I saw that, uh, yeah. You know, and it's almost like anytime, you, for me, like when I want to achieve a big thing in my life, I kind of like have to articulate it to myself and maybe articulate it to other people. And then... Um, then there, then there's that gap between saying and doing, and I don't want to be that guy who doesn't, who sit, who talks, who talks and doesn't follow through, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's kind of like you fake it till you make it, you mm-hmm. know, you, and, and then you just keep on, keep on doing it. And aren't we all, all talking no cattle until we actually do the thing? Yeah. And even, and I was just, uh, listening on another podcast about this idea. And, and you hear this a lot with people that have had a lot of success. They talk about this imposter syndrome. Yes. That now they've achieved what they've been talking about, but they feel like I am an imposter. I am an imposter. They still feel like an imposter. They still feel like it, even though when they're height of their success, because people are going to find out that really I'm not so great. And really all my achievements weren't as grand as maybe perhaps they seem. And I, I wouldn't mind having that imposter syndrome, Pete. Like, let's 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 achieve that. If you got it done. <laughs> if I got it done. Uh, call me an imposter. It's but a weird I'm thing. There. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, because I think it's common, I, mm-hmm. you know, among overachievers to have this sense that they're faking it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I mean, some of the I think it's some of our most uh, high achieving individuals hit, suffer from that. Yeah. You know, does that, is that spark anything in, in, your, in your world, like education and, and human development? Do you think it's a positive thing that, that feeling of, of being a faker or like how do, how do people deal with that? Well, this did bring me to this idea of um, when we look at the um, plane of development in adolescence, this is really a time when um, we are searching for what is our unique contribution to society so, you know, when you start out, you're, when you're like zero to three, four or five years old, you're quite egotistical. You're all about, I got to kind of work on my own development. Uh-huh. Then you can quite social elementary ages where you're aligning and you're learning how to be a friend and uh-huh. keep friends and make friends and also uh, lose friends. <laughs> and then as an adolescent, it's really about, all right, kind of figured, I'm figuring out what I'm really good at and what I um, what's my contribution going to be? And so that's when we are kind of aligning towards these are my people. So you can see that's when you get all these jacks and drama geeks or artists. This is like the, the teen years. This is the teen years. Uh-huh. Yep. The adolescence. And, and so finding, finding your tribe and also maybe you don't find it in adolescent, but you're experimenting with it. Who, yeah. who am I? Which group do I belong to? So that almost might, it seems like it might be a positive part of people's human development 
to be able to be all talking no, no cattle for a while because I mean you don't want as a teenager I mean, we can all look back at at personalities we tried on that we like thank the lord I didn't continue with that that was silly and embarrassing <laughs> right that stage yeah that, that for me that big hair stage or my preppy collar up stage you like it's okay to abandon those things right and mm-hmm. try on a different hat so um I think so it might be that it sounds like what you're saying is probably a good thing that we sometimes are all talk, all hat, no cattle. It's okay. It is okay to do that. We, I don't think you want to be a um, serial all talk. At and some no, point, yeah, you got to find the hat right, that fits to and that. wear that. And I think too, like I tend to people that I'm closer with, I'll kind of share some of my hopes and dreams because they're uh-huh. going to understand like, if I don't achieve it, I've yeah. got, um, and then the, uh, yeah, the, 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 um, the people that know me less, I'm going to kind of keep it closer to chest, yeah. what I, my hopes and dreams are. I think are. the analogy is really good, though, this hat analogy, because you do, you know, you talk about a person of many hats, you know, like it, it seems like when you're young and you're an adolescent, you're developing, being able to try on a few different hats. And it's not a huge commitment to throw a hat on, you know, throw this hat on, throw that hat on, try different things and see which one fits best before you start going out and, you know, finding your cattle or finding your whatever, you know, I don't know what other kind of hats are, the construction worker hats. And Just think of the village hats. people. And I think you're going to be able to come Ooh, up with all the right. hats. You get headdresses and um, sailor hats. And police officer. Police officer, all that stuff. All right, here we are in our second section of our podcast. And Pete, I turned on the Proverbatron about 30 minutes ago mm-hmm. to get it nice and warmed up yep. for this section. It's been humming over there really nicely. Nice. I wish the folks could see this high-tech machine. I love it's, the way it glows. The way it just lets off that kind of neon greenish mm-hmm. glow. It makes your skin look really healthy and beautiful, Pete. It makes my hair stand on end. <laughs> a little, just a little it bit. It is a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we do need to thank the Boardman Review for sponsoring the Proverbatron mm-hmm. and keeping it going with that green glow. Absolutely. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Dustpan. The first word is dustpan. All right, let's hit this, turn this knob and get it going for the second word. Sparkles. The second word is sparkles. Oh, dustpan and sparkles. This is this, this is, is a cute one. This is a really fun one. It's it very is? uplifting. Yeah. Can't wait to hear what it is. Yeah. So when the moon sparkles, our dustpans are on the ready. What I like about this one is how optimistic it is in the face of adversity, because when the moon sparkles is um, a euphemism for um, a time of great oppression. Is I think this comes from the Chinese, actually. This this proverb. I, um, I my research showed a lot yeah, of Asian lot of Chinese, connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. during yeah. the Cultural Revolution, I think is um, when the moon sparkles. Our dustpans are on the ready. Mm-hmm. Is because um, you know the government. So when the moon sparkles, is is a euphemism for when um, there's no more food left, <sighs> and you know because uh, the, if the moon sparkles, then your crops are ruined. And um, the dustpans are on the ready means that you'll sweep up any. Any any scrap of food, that of food there is. There, yeah. So our initial instinct on this, yeah. this is going to be a really upbeat one. Yeah. It's actually quite dire. It's weird, yeah. But well, because you know, sparkles and stuff are kind of yeah, nice think, and, and sparkly moon, and exactly. it's a nice thing. And I think a lot of Westerners don't really understand um, this particular proverb has some, you know, has some very some rather. I think uh, I've been using dark. it wrong. You I mean, have? now that you say, I'm really embarrassed. Uh huh. How- like, well, for example, what, is there a context that you can remember encountering? I just it in? used it the other day with my kids. Just when the kitchen needed cleanup. Well, so so it was a lovely evening. We're having a great time. Yeah. 
Uh, we're getting dinner around. Yeah. It's all great. Uh-huh. And and I'm trying to convince my kids, like, why don't you pitch in here? Yep. And I, I say, hey, guys, when the moon sparkles, the dustpans are on the ready, meaning uh-huh. we're all working together. We're pulling together. Oh, yeah. And so why don't you get out your proverbial, uh, you know, dustpan, dustpan yeah. and it's like pitch in. sweep up the sparkles from the moon or exactly. something, Exactly. Right? The, the moon has, is yeah. shaking its way and all the sparkles yeah. have floated down. And little did I know yeah. this idea that it's really yeah. was about starvation. Yeah, yeah. There's a variant on it, which wow. is that um when um when famine sets in, um yeah. we will eat the locusts. Um wow. so yeah, you know, we so you could sweep up locusts if there's a swarm when there's famine, you know? Yeah. And you know how desperate is when you gotta eat a locust. I don't know, have you ever had or eating a locust? I kind of... I ate one locust on purpose, or was that? No, it was because they're flying at me. Uh-huh. I was in a I was on the plains of Kansas as I'm because that's where I spend my summers. We've got a summer home out there. Oh, really? Yeah, and so there was obviously uh-huh. as they do. I don't know every other summer. That's probably pretty factual. Uh, there's locust swarms. Oh, really? I sealed my mouth, eyes, ears, every orifice up. I didn't want to swallow. Nobody wants a locust. Nobody in wants their a locust. Uh, one got in. Why do you, I yeah. mean, there there were millions, so getting one in, I thought I did pretty good. Mm-hmm. How and was it though? So crunchy. Uh huh. Um, tastes like chicken, or it's like everything tastes like chicken. It seems like, but they don't have much meat on them, Pete. I no, mean, it tastes crunch. like chicken if you're just talking about the the like the foot, the crunchiness just the of foot, chicken, not like the breast of the oh, chicken, right, yeah. but like the foot of the chicken. Oh, it tastes like the foot of a chicken. The foot of the chicken. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. what about you? Have you ever had a locust? You know, I've always wanted to try. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've have I've never had the uh, courage to to um, to, and I've never been quite uh, maybe not hungry enough or uh, maybe I'd need to have a combination of great hunger and opportunity, an opportunity that mm-hmm. you that you're starving and oh my gosh, there's a, locust, a locust right yeah, there. And I haven't had those two things haven't they haven't lined up. Me, no. Um, but you know, I feel like if the it, like in my case, if the um when the when the famine did set in, then um we would eat the locust. I would think I would, I would go along with that, 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 so that, I think that came from like Lao Tzu from ancient Chinese. Like, okay. and so like, as they came forward and, you know, and you know, Matt didn't want there to be, you know, a lot of reference to the ancient history part. And so he, so he was like, people couldn't quote Lao Tzu. So they had to just say like, when the moon sparkles, our dust pans are at the right. Everybody that knew that that code. meant like, don't leave yeah. any crumbs. Got to chow that down. Chow that down. Mm-hmm. Take, like sweep up those locust crumbs yeah. and, eat them and you know i think there was a, a candy company um that took this and uh the moon sparkles have you ever had moon sparkles moon sparkles candy. and they serve them in a little dustpan it's like they're like a like a like a sugar candy that's crunchy okay. and sparkly and then it comes in like a little little chocolate dustpan really you can mm-hmm. eat the dustpan the too. whole thing is yeah it's pretty great and it, comes it from didn't that really make it because most people weren't that you know into eating dust the dustpan part they yeah. thought it was pretty poor poor chocolate too it wasn't yeah. good quality. If it's yeah. good quality, you'll eat Kids chocolate eat formed into anything, eat, into yeah. locusts. Yeah. Nowadays, locusts, cho- yeah, locust-covered chocolates, chocolate-covered locusts. Locust. <laughs> what Either about locust-covered chocolate? That's, yeah, it's because- that's thinking outside anything. the box. I got to try that. Yeah. You got a good piece of chocolate, but in order to get to it, you got to yeah, eat, the, eat locust. the locust. And that's just going to be a great way. There's, they say that <clears throat> that insects are the wave of the future and, you know, we're going to be eating a lot of insects in the future. So maybe, um, maybe locust covered chocolates will be, will be the, all the rage. Thank you so much to the generous sponsors of this episode, the Boardman Review, Tilt Think Improv, and the Boardman Review Podcast Collective. Our sponsors believe that community and comedy go hand in hand, just like 
Bigfoot sightings, and a lack of reliable camera equipment. 